Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses. We all on our telephones with the texts and the tweets and the beats. What he said, she said, can't even follow the thread. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too with my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Yankees have left the building. It was a fascinating series. Let's get into that. The weekend series against the Rays. And I'm going to be asking Roy Smalley and Lavelle Neal, who's the bigger competitor for the Twins to worry about? Cleveland or Chicago? I watched the White Sox a lot this week, and they're kind of a mess. Uh, so let's get into all that here on Chin Music. This is part of the TalkNorth.com podcast network. Thank you to Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. All right, let's start. Lavelle, I know you were at the ballpark last night. Last night. Uh, I have a definite opinion on what I saw in the Yankees series. What was your takeaway from those three games? Well, I, I think the Yankees are, are a loaded team. I think that offense is uh, ridiculous with uh, Aaron Judge and, and Stanton, those guys. And right now, that pitcher staff can operate on a high level, although they didn't show it against the Twins. Um, health is going to be a big factor with them because of uh, Stanton re- regularly breaks down. Judge has had injury issues. And, they ha- and the Yankees haven't had too many blows to their pitcher staff like some other teams, especially the Twins have had. So I want to see what happens when they hit some adversity and have to rely on some of their depth. But um, the Twins, I just think the Twins, this has been kind of a uh, – response ever since they left Detroit after losing four or five games. Um, they went into Toronto um, minus four players because of COVID. I mean, because of lack of vaccination and took two out of three. And I think they carried that on into the Yankee series. I think the offense uh, performed admir- admirably. I think they took some great at bats. Um, they were aggressive when uh, they, they saw pitches they wanted to hit. They were patient at other times when they wanted to work to count and it all clicked. Um, I think we saw, we saw a little bit more of what the, the Twins' offense is capable of uh, in the Yankees series. The thing that absolutely stinks is that they could have won two out of three in this series very easily. Um, they were battling in Tuesday's game. It was just 5-4. And then they bring in uh, Juan Manaya, who you know Roy and I have supported in the past. And Manaya is a strike away on three consecutive hitters and ends up walking all three of them. Uh, and the game started to, to unravel at that point. And then last night, Thursday night at Target Field. The Twins are up 7-3. to three. They knocked Gary Cole out in the third inning, hit five home runs off of him. It was set up for them to win. And um, they bring in Jarrell Cotton, and Cotton gives up a home run and then makes it 7-5. to five. All of a sudden, the Yankees fans are back in the game, and it was, almost, it was like the tide just began to turn right there. And it was just they should be really kicking themselves. They didn't take two out of three in this series. Roy, what did you take away from those three games? Uh, all the things that Lavelle said, I, I think those are all spot on. Um, I was uh, I, I was really impressed with uh, the Twins' offense uh, against, uh, as Lavelle said, you know, good Yankee pitching staff. Uh, I, I thought uh, uh, it, my takeaway was 
You know what? These guys, uh, if if they stay healthy, they get all the players uh, playing at, that they want to playing at the same time. These guys can slug with the Yankees or, uh, or stay um, stay close to a team that, as Lavelle said, and I agree, just they're just loaded uh, offensively. Uh, they've got real professional hitters. I mean, Lavelle mentioned Stanton and Judge. Of course, those guys are are you know big run producers. But before and after uh, those guys too, uh, Lemayhew is is a is a force. Uh, Rizzo is a force. Uh, Donaldson, uh, I mean, they just got they've got they've got guys that can put numbers up there. So I, I thought the Yankee series was uh, was a good series, a good indication of what uh, the Twins can do. It also pointed out just a little bit, I think, a lack of. Um, uh, lack of lack of pitching depth. Uh, um, so I, you know, there some of this they need to get their starters, the, you know, the starters back that they were counting on. Obviously, uh, probably would have been a little bit differently if uh, if they had some some other guys healthy. So all in all, I came away disappointed they didn't win two out of three, as Lavelle said, but uh, but encouraged that they're uh, you know they're battling through. Uh, and winning games uh, and staying, you know, and being competitive in games when they've got, you know, they haven't got all their uh, all their horses. So hopefully the injury and illness uh, bugs are are behind them. They can just start getting people uh, in the lineup every day that they the way they want to do it. I also I will say one thing about Manaya. You know, Lavelle's right. I mean, I've been a he and I have been a. a supporter of Manaya. I, I think he's got really good stuff, but what we saw was, uh, it was, was why he's not successful. <clears throat> Excuse me. Certainly not stuff. Um, he just, he just throws too many balls. And <clears throat> when, when he has pounded the strike zone strike, you know, pitch after pitch, whatever they, whatever pitch it is, strike after strike, he makes hitters look really uncomfortable, but, uh, you know, good hitters like the Yankees are going to, you know, lay off sliders off the plate. At some point in time, he's got to figure out, you know, whether or not he he want, he's able to throw the ball over the plate. And and we've kind of we, we've seen that when the Twins uh, have not pitched well, uh, especially out of the bullpen, we've seen you know the lack of uh, commanding the strike zone. Is it, I, I think more than stuff, it's lack of commanding the strike zone. We've seen that from a lot of guys, and that's got to get fixed. No doubt about it. I want to talk about Chris Archer. I also want to talk about the White Sox and Cleveland. I uh, do want to remind you our sponsors are Corona, Perfect Ash, and TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR Time. Great summer to advertise with Talk North as our, our numbers and our number of shows continues to grow. And this show uh, becomes more and more popular as the Twins continue to succeed. You can reach Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. Uh, so, I watched a lot of White Sox games this week, and they have talent. They're going to get Lance Lynn back. They're going to get Tim Anderson back here soon. They are dangerous, but my Lord, they make mistakes. They make a lot of errors. They make key errors. Uh, they had a 4 nothing lead on the Dodgers on Thursday. An error opened the door. They end up losing 9-7. to uh, And Cleveland, you know, Cleveland feels like kind of an average team, but they still have talent. They still have pitching. And they don't make all the mistakes the White Sox make. So let's start with Roy this time. Who's the bigger threat to the Twins this year? I still think it's uh, White Sox talent. Uh, you know, it, it's a 
it really is hard to know whether their uh, defensive lapses are just going to be their personality all, all season long. Um, it, so if we assume that, uh, I guess my assumption is their talent when they get everybody healthy, also just like we're talking about the Twins, when they get everybody healthy, uh, I think the talent will overcome uh, defensive lapses. I could be dead wrong about that. They may just be a bad defensive team all year long, which is going to make them, you know, difficult for them to, for them to win. But they're, they're infinitely more talented than uh, Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland's got uh, terrific uh, 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 pitching staff, but I think with, when healthy, the White Sox can pitch with them and, and uh, they have a huge advantage offensively. I still think it's, I think, still think the White Sox are the uh, tougher team. And I'll go up a little bit. I want to hear your, your view on that. Jim, you know, um, that's a very interesting question. And I was going to, I, I want to agree with Roy and say the White Sox are, are the bigger threat. Um, they, they have been, they have been ransacked with injuries uh, they're starting to get healthy. I think a lot of Jimenez is getting close to returning or, or he may have already returned. Um, the issue there is seems like Tony La Russa cannot get out of his own way, intentionally walking uh, someone who's not named Barry Bonds with a one-two count is reprehensible in my, in my opinion. Um, so he's taking a lot of heat there. Now, after the other, the other old farts like Joe Girardi and, and Joe Madden have been, uh, have been relieved of their duties, uh, there's heat on Chicago to do the same with LaRusso. Although I don't think Jerry Reinstorf is going to do that. So I think the White Sox just may be um, victimized by, you know, uh, full season drama, uh, stuff going on behind the scenes and, and people not knowing what Tony LaRusso is going to do next. Um, my concern about Cleveland um, has been the pitching staff, has been the offense. I think they've got a very good start in rotation and a decent pitching staff overall. But I just caught up some stats here, and I'm looking at uh, like Team OPS. The Twins are six in baseball, actually. Uh, Dodgers are first, Yankees are second. Twins are six. Cleveland's the next, next best team in the division. Their, their Team OPS is 709. Um, it's middle of the pack overall, but it's better than the White Sox. Um, the White Sox's team OPS is 656. They're behind the Royals. And, and so they're offensively, they haven't gotten to going. Part of it is because of injuries. But, um, you know, that's going to make Cleveland. Cleveland's going to be a tough out down the stretch just because they're getting a little bit of offense to go uh, with a strong pitching staff. So that's going to be interesting. It will be. And, uh, I, you know, Lance Lynn might end up being the key to the whole dang thing if he can come back and pitch, you know, like an ace. Uh, I still like the Twins. I just like their depth. I think that, you know, it, I mean, it is amazing. The Twins went to Toronto with half a team. They didn't have their – I mean, they started the season with Gray, Ryan, and Ober at the top of the rotation. They didn't have any of their three top starting pitchers. They were missing three key relievers. They were missing their right fielder, and they beat a good team. So even though I think disappointment about the Yankees series is justified, big picture, they played six straight games against Toronto and New York. Uh, with a muddled roster and they split, I think that's a, in big picture. I think that's a win. If they can get healthy, I could see them going on a run here. Um, and the, the next guy I want to talk about, Chris Archer. You know, we saw a lot of pitchers fail against the Yankees this week. Chris Archer diced them up pretty good. Uh, let's start with Lavelle on what you see. What you see out of Archer and and what's his high end? Well, I, I think Archer's going to get keep getting incrementally better as the season goes along. As he Gets some more innings under his belt and gets more distance between him and his recent and his recent injuries. Um, 
I just went to the season thinking that uh, his command's going to be one of the last things to fully come back. And once he gets that, and once he's able to put that, throw that slider where he wants to throw it, um, that he could be an effective starter. Uh, this is a guy who's, you know, won a few games in Major League Baseball and who's been talented for most of his career before he, you know, he had some injury issues. So um, he's always been fascinating to me uh, with his makeup and his repertoire. And I, I just think that if he continues to fine tune his command, you know, we're going to see better from uh, Chris Archer. And Rocco indicated a couple of days ago, I think it was, I was at the park Wednesday as well. He indicated that it's it's getting time here for them to start stretching Archer out to 75, 80 pitches and, and seeing what he can do here. Um, you know, Rocco was saying that with his fingers crossed because he's looking at his five best starters right now are all in the IL. You know, if you count Kenta Maida, it's Maida, Sonny Gray, um, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, and Josh Winder. Like the five most talented starters are on the IL, and Rocco's ready to pull the rest of his hair out or whatever hair he has left, um, maybe off his beard, uh, over trying to figure out how to put together a starting rotation. So um, I talked to Rocco about Archer in particular, and the thing is he agreed with me, but the problem is you know, he's nervous about once you start stretching out Archer, how is he physically going to react to uh, pitching deeper in the game and throwing more pitches and uh, how many bullets does he have left? So uh, that may be, you know, the talk of a paranoid manager who's watched his rotation be decimated by injuries, but he also may be a realistic look in this day and age that, you know, pitchers break down. You just have to be be prepared to replace them when they're injured. Roy, what are you seeing from Archer in the Twins rotation? What's the what's the upside for this group? Well, I'm really excited about him, to tell you the truth. <clears throat> uh, that stuff is 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 very good, and Lavelle is uh, right again and about command. It will be command a command issue uh, for him. It seems to uh, uh, to get a little bit better uh, every every time out. I was really excited about how he was able to. Uh, command uh, his uh, pitches against the Yankees against a tough lineup. Um, he was uh, he was better than the Yankee hitters, and and that that's that's uh, really encouraging. The thing about his uh, his injuries too, uh, and stre- and stretching him out, uh, he is really athletic. He's got a, he's got a very athletic uh, body. Uh, he's got strong legs uh, for um, the the slender uh, guy that he is. He's 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 very um, uh, he's very athletic in his delivery to the to the plate, and and uh, I think that really will will, uh, will serve him well. You never know about you know injuries resurfacing or new ones, right? You never know. But I think right now, if you look at stuff. Uh, and then you add the fact that he's been a, a terrific major league pitcher in the past. Uh, he he has that to uh, as a foundation for him, and he's mentally tough. He, as a result of all that, just his personality is is I, I, a plus, I believe, to go with that that stuff. So it's uh, when he is able to uh, again. I mean, it's, this is a you know the Juan Manaya type of uh, type of conversation. Um, it, when Archer's not good, he's he's ball three on everybody and walking and walking some people. And when when he is good, that when he has his command, that stuff looks looks really tough uh, on hitters. I think is that you know as I say, never know about injury, but 
I think Rocco's got to stretch him out and I got to roll the dice with this guy. Uh, now he's just, his, that stuff is too good. Uh, given the state of the, the, of the pitching staff and, and even when everybody comes back, I think it's going to be a great competition because I, uh, Archer is absolutely in the mix for uh, closer to front end of the rotation than back end. Yeah, did, he's, did he's, he's dying. Go ahead. That, did I tell you guys the story about how when I met Chris Archer this spring? Yes, you did. Okay. But you can right. tell it again. Sure. You can tell no, it again. No, I, was, no, I was just thinking, I was walking through the club. I was looking for Wes Johnson. I'm trying to get to Wes. And, and Archer's inter- interrupting, going, no, no, you don't want to talk to him. You don't want to talk to him. And I'm like, I, I got to interview him, man. He was like, he goes, I'm just kidding. I'm Chris. I said, hey, I'm Lavelle Neal with the Star Tribune. He says, yeah, I heard about you. Uh, people tell me you're, you're OG around here. And I'm like, you know, that was like the first time I had ever been called OG in my life. And I'm like, I, I kind of like recoiled at the uh, uh, when he said it. But uh, we ended up having a pretty pleasant conversation. He's a rather interesting guy and rather funny. Yeah, and he's dynamic. And and Roy, I think we can agree that anytime Lavelle wants to tell a story that makes Lavelle look good, I think we should let him do it. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I think I think we should, but it doesn't matter what we think. He's gonna he's gonna do that. Yeah, it's true. We can't stop him. I mean, there's really nothing stop. we can do to stop him. Uh, in fact, you know, maybe I think we should find an advertiser and just build that story into the show and just play it every week. Well, I also want to point out too, self self deprecation is in my toolbox. It's not something that I just totally ignore here. Yeah, uh, the self deprecation is in your toolbox, but it is rusted. <laughs> it's, it, not, it, is, it has least, cobwebs at, on it. At the very least, at the very bottom, buried under all the other tools. <laughs> you need some WD forty for the for the for the humility, but we, we'll help you with that. Maybe maybe WD forty will sponsor the podcast, and we can use it to to, to lube up your humility but well you know <laughs> go ahead lavelle defend yourself no no i was not going to no, i'm done talking about myself this podcast is ended we could transition into something else <laughs> yeah there'll, right, there'll, be, next... there'll be other subject matter here coming up soon where you can jump right back <laughs> into no doubt yes uh, my next big question is going to be, is Trevor Larnick becoming what they wanted Alex Kirilov to be? Uh, but first, we do want to thank Corona, again, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. And Lavelle, tell us about Perfect Ash. The Perfect Ash is proud of its extensive cigar and pipe tobacco selection. The Perfect Ash has over 340 different makes and models of cigars for you to choose from. Um uh, everywhere from the uh, the the popular blue blood cigar companies to the boutique cigars um, that uh, some people like to try as well. So come on over to the Perfect Ash located in Inver Grove Heights, Minnesota, just a few steps away from the Inver Grove Brewery. Um, enjoy a cigar, sit in the leather seat, watch a sporting event like the Twins. They're playing better. Perfect Ash, Inver Grove Heights, Minnesota. We did a recent John Krasinski show from the offices of TSR Injury Law. They started off as a very small business, uh, pretty much a one-room small business. Now they have the top two floors in a beautiful high-rise in South Bloomington. Uh, it's really incredible. Uh, they got there by winning cases. They don't even charge you if they don't win your case. That's how confident they are that they'll win for you. If you ever need an injury lawyer, 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. That's all you need to remember. Hope you don't need an injury lawyer, but if you need one, you need a good one. Uh, so Trevor Larnick, uh, you know, he, he started off his big league hitting career by kind of feeling for the ball and putting the ball in play and hitting for average, but not driving the ball. Now he is 
turning into something of a monster, and he plays a good left field. Uh, has he moved past Alex Kirilov, or, or am I way out ahead of myself? Let's start with Roy this time. Well, he's moved ahead of Kirilov uh, for the time being, for sure. And if, if you recall, we talked about this um, several shows ago when um, uh, Larnick uh, was up and, and we were and Kirilov was hurt and we were saying, OK, what you know, the question then was what's going to happen? I mean, it, and uh, the answer uh, that I gave back then was Larnick has got an opportunity. This is what happens. Uh, it, I think Kirilov was ahead of Larnick. But as soon as you get hurt, you're automatically even, if not, if not behind. It's all up to the guy that's, that's, that's playing. And, and I said, if, if, Larnick, if Larnick can keep Kirilov down, depending on how he, how he plays, and that's what's happened right now. He is uh, playing really good baseball. It is, uh, he looks very confident, very confident at the plate. Uh, he has the ability to go with that that confidence. It took him a while, obviously, as it will for a young hitter in the big leagues. He came up and uh, had had some really good actions at the plate early. Then they started throwing him change ups and breaking balls, and uh, he was you know having to adjust to that. In the meantime, he hurt his hand, uh, having trouble getting to, to fastballs because of that. And when you are have a doubt in your mind about whether you can get to the fastball, you're not going to hit anything because you start rushing on that and, you, and uh, the uh, breaking balls, the off-speed stuff, it, you know, just eats you up. Uh, back healthy this year uh, and uh, more comfortable with what big league pitchers do. And, I, I mean, he's played a way better outfield than I, than I knew he was uh, uh, capable of playing. And I look forward to him coming to the plate every, every time now. So I don't uh, – I would still say that, uh, you know, the Sano uh, injury um, led to, um, you know, if, with Larnick playing well, Kirilov coming back and playing first, but Luis Rice has to play first. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's, uh, it, it's exactly what, it, it, exactly what happens. Somebody gets hurt. Somebody gets an opportunity. What are you going to do with the opportunity? And I think right now it doesn't look like Larnick's doing it with mirrors. It looks like he's doing it with confidence and ability. And I, I like him out there. He definitely looks more competitive. Um, I, I like his plan at the plate. And, uh, you know, he's got, you know, he's got the power to all fields now. You know, he came up as a you know center, left center guy. And he's, uh, you know, he know he can pull the ball a little bit, too. And we saw that, you know, yesterday in the Yankee series. Um, he's got that ability to uh, to use both sides of the field now and show his power. Um, it's just that he's getting pitches. He's not missing them. And he's doing more damage. I, you know, last year he was just so uncompetitive and uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. The hand injury really hurt him and he didn't know how to adjust once uh, it happened to Kirilov too. teams stopped throwing those kids fastballs. Once they proved they could rake on a fastball um, stats showed last year that they were seeing the fewest uh, percentage of fastballs of like any hitters in the league, which is crazy for, you know, for two rookies to you know, to be on the, at the bottom of that list or top of the list, whatever. Um, you know, this year, you know, we've seen Larnick, you know, hit some breaking balls, some off-speed stuff. He's, I think he's um, doing a better, he has a better idea of how pitchers are going to approach him, and you're seeing the benefit of that. Um, it's fascinating, Jim and Roy, um, the path, the, the development path that a baseball player takes. Sometimes, they well, there are the rare occasions in which guys come up right away and are in are productive. You know, like a Joe Mar. There's some guys that have to go down and learn some lessons, like Tory Hunter. 
you know, you have some guys in between like Justin Morneau, you know, um, they all come in different shapes, sizes, sizes and developmental paths. Um, and we're seeing uh, Kirilov, who was absolutely raking uh, until the last couple of days against Rochester, but he was raking it at, at AAA. I think he is looking at the major league stats and going, oh, I, mean, I can't play left because Larrick is playing well. I can't play first because Zorias has to play first. I I I gotta just keep it and hope and some something opens up for me here. And um he's batting 330 at uh at Rocha, I'm sorry, at St. in St. Paul. So you would automatically think they gotta get this kid's bat in the lineup. But where? They, they, there's no spot for him unless you know you rotate him through the DH spot. But I think they got a lot of enough players to rotate through DH. Um uh, right now, you know, because Bucks is probably going to need some DH days, and you know, uh, Sanchez and Jeffers will be in the lineup at the same time a couple of days, and so uh, Kirilov is in a spot right now where uh, Larnick has just stepped in front of him in the pecking order. I don't know if it's going to last that way, uh, last uh, forever like that, but right now, um, I like what I'm seeing of Larnick, and I want to see more of it. Yeah, no doubt about it, and uh, it's going to be really fascinating to see how the Twins you know, parse all this out. Uh, Kepler is signed, uh, let's see, through 2023. It looks like an option for 24. Uh, And, you know, he's going to have to play really well to keep a job around here for long term. They got Larnick. They got Kirilov, who I think people were down on him uh, after his last stint here, but he is. He's starting to rake at triple A. And and Royce Lewis is going to need a place to play. Uh, obviously, he's going to probably take over for Correa after this year at shortstop. Uh, Arise has made himself, you know, he, Arise has gone from being super utility to being somebody who just has to play somewhere every day. I mean, it, it, and so the next question is, does this depth mean you trade somebody or does this depth mean, hey, you know, we're going to have 18 injuries the rest of the year. You better keep everybody around. Let's start with Lavelle on that one. Um. If- <sighs> I think once you trade for Carlos Correa and you have him on your roster and you have a chance to win a division and make a run in the postseason, you've got to keep looking for ways to strengthen your, your pitching staff. And so I, I look at I look at that roster and I'm going, you know, there could be some trade candidates sitting here. You know, it could be Kirilov. It could be Larnick. Hell, it could be Kepler because he's under control still, I think, for a couple more years. I don't know. Yep. Um, uh, there could be some of their prospects they have in the minors. But I still, I still like to see the Twins get uh, – Another quality starter, if that's possible. You know, and the two guys that are going to be available at the deadline are probably be Iglesias with the Rays and Montas with uh, with the with the A's. Um, let's see that. I think they also need another uh, strong armed in the bullpen. Um, Jorge Alcala had a setback in his comeback um, from um, elbow problems. He's got a forearm issue now, and it looks like it's still he's still going to need some more time for he can get back online. I would have loved to see Alcala in the middle in, in this bullpen, you know, with Thielbar from the left and Pagan, uh, him and Pagan pitching the seventh and eighth and going into Duran in the ninth. You know, I, I kind of like that setup, but I don't know when Alcala is going to be available. So I, I think they got to look for a reliever and a starter. So you're going to need capital to, in order to execute these moves. So you're going to be looking at, you know, maybe a couple of these guys I mentioned on the major league roster. Uh, or a combination of prospects to kind of pull this off. Um, I think the Twins are going to be in it. And I also think that they're going to have to move on from Dylan Bundy because I just don't think Bundy could get major league hitters out consistently um, because he's throwing 88, 89 miles an hour and he's got to have pinpoint control. And over his last like seven outings, he's had like a 5.71 ERA. 
and he's in Matt Shoemaker category uh, category now. Of course, uh, Jim's going to freak out when I start mentioning these names. But during my 23 years covering the Twins, uh, my first year, you know, the Twins tried this low risk, zero reward guy, as I call them. Um, they signed Sean Bergman. Then a couple years later, they signed Ramon Ortiz. And then a few years later, they tried Sidney Ponson. And then last year, they tried Matt Shoemaker. And now they're trying Dylan Bundy. And I'm missing, I'm missing out a few guys along the way here on this list. But I think Bundy's in that category. So they're going to have to look at getting an upgrade from Bundy in this rotation. Yeah, I think uh, I, <clears throat> they're going to be in a uh, an interesting spot uh, come trade deadline uh, time. Because they like all their players and they like to keep them all, but they, but they do, they, they're always going to be looking for pitching. Everybody, everybody is. And so they're going to have to look seriously at putting a package of players together to get a, a pitcher or two. I think, I think that's the way they're going to, they're going to feel about it uh, because I think they're going to be right there at trade deadline and, and say, okay, how do we now, how do we win, get the club to, to a point where we win the division and go deep in the playoffs. What, what do we need? What can we get? What do we have to give up? The good news is that they've got a lot of, uh, of ammo there. They've got a lot of talent, uh, both at, um, at, in the outfield uh, spots and the big league level. Uh, and I'm including Kirilov uh, in that. And uh, also uh, elsewhere in the, in the minor leagues. So it's going to be that's that's a good news. The the, the bad news is uh, when you look at the so Buxton's in in center field most of the time, and you've got Larnick Kepler basically Larnick Kepler Kirilov, and Kepler uh, has made huge strides this year so far uh, at, with better plate appearances. He's swinging the bat really well as as well as we've seen him uh, swing it in in recent memory. Uh, and the wild card there, or the addition, the additional info there, is that uh, he's a very good right fielder. He's very good defensively. And when somewhat, when it's somewhat equal, um, the, the difference is defense always, especially in the outfield. And so it's going to be interesting to see whether they are willing to say uh, we, we can trade Kepler for you know as part of a package for a pitcher. Uh, because we've got Kirilov and Larnick. Kirilov's here at 330, and he should, you know, he should be fine in the big leagues. But do you give up that defense? Uh, and, and so you move Larnick. I think you move Larnick to right field, and, and Kirilov plays left. And then you're not quite as good defensively as you were with Kepler in the lineup. So it's going to be, and you know, so Royce Lewis not going to give up Royce Lewis. Uh, uh, they're not going to give up Miranda. I don't think he's, he's shown, I, I think he's a big league hitter uh, and, and they need to keep him uh, around because he's a right-hand hitter with the, uh, you know, the, the predominantly left-hand hitters that they have, by the way, the addition of Carlos Correa was huge in that regard to get a, get a powerful right-hand hitter uh, at shortstop allows Luis Arise to play first. Uh, I mean, it's almost single-handedly allows him to, you know, to play every day uh, at first base uh, because of the, the right-handed sock there from from Correa. So there's just a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things that they're going to be thinking about. Uh, but I do believe that that one of the three out left-handed hitting outfielders that I just talked about is going to 
they're going to consider they have they're going to have to consider depending on you know depending on how they pitch and and to Lavelle's point I mean I think in 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 our points earlier on about Chris Archer if they get everybody healthy uh, again for the for the remainder of the season um, I think Chris Archer is is one of the guys that steps in there and makes it less uh, urgent to uh, you know to go out and get somebody. I mean, yep. so it's going to be a competition in, between the three left-handed hitting outfielders that I just mentioned. It's going to be a competition among the starters, and who are they going to? Uh, who, who's just going to step step up? At this point, we don't know. Yep, no doubt about it. Hey, let's get a quick final thought from each of our guys. Appreciate you listening to TalkNorth.com. We've added Dave Lee from WCCO to our roster, uh, Mike Grimm's Go Gopher podcast, The Pross Box, which is the Prosser Brothers on the NHL. We now have three hockey shows, outdoor content, Cheryl Reeve, uh, great stuff throughout, John Krasinski. Thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. All right, final thought. Let's go with Lavelle first. Here's my thought. As much of a cesspool that uh, Twitter can be, there, there is some benefits to being on the social network. And one is um, uh, a Twitter feed called Umpire Scorecard. I don't know if, you, if either one of you guys huh. have checked it out, but I would check it out. For, I would add it to my to your reading. Um, it had the day after uh, a game, they have a report on the umpire and the pitches that he missed or, or nailed. Uh, I have learned that Jeremy Rehack is a kick-ass umpire in Major League Baseball. Um, when he calls a game, there's usually like two or three pitches he misses. And then when he misses, they're just missing by a lot. Meanwhile, our dear close personal friend, Angel Hernandez, you know, when you go to the, uh, the shooting gallery and you have like the, out, the outline of, uh, of the person, the, the target that you're shooting at, um, his scorecard after his games looks like someone has blurred vision when they're shooting at the target and it's just ringed the entire perimeter uh, with bullets. That's all the pitches that Angel misses on a, on a game by game basis. Uh, it's, it's really a fascinating um, uh, Twitter feed. And so I would encourage everybody to check out umpire scorecard. So you can kind of track and see how well these umpires are, are calling balls and strikes. My final thought is a, um, is just a pet peeve of mine. And I I'm going to, uh, Event here uh, a little bit. It it started uh, it, me thinking about this once again. I think about it all the time. This the Manaya throwing a fastball by Aaron Judge, strike one, and then uh, hanging a slider in the middle of the plate, and he hits it off the, uh, the the wall, and that got everything started. Now he's afraid, you know, to throw the ball over, and and it, the game now is it has turned into pitching coaches and pitchers. It seems to me like. Oh my gosh! Don't let anybody hit a fastball ever. Please don't throw a fastball very often because big league hitters will hit it. And uh, you know, Justin Morneau even said that on the on the broadcast, and he's right. You know, big league, you throw 101, but big league hitters can catch up. You can't just keep throwing fastballs. You got to throw other stuff. Absolutely right. But here's my here here's my uh, pet peeve: a slider in the middle of the plate is easier to hit than a 96-mile-an-hour fastball in the middle of the plate. And they're going to hit some 96-mile-an-hour fastballs, but they they might hit it. They might foul it back. They might pop it up. They will hit a slider in the middle of the plate. They just will. They don't miss that. And when, you throw, when you're throwing a lot of sliders, two things can happen. Uh, three things can happen. Two of them are bad. This is the old Woody Hayes deal about uh, why you don't pass. 
in college football in the old days. Three things can happen when you throw a slider. Two of them are bad. You throw a slider on the outside corner, you know, at knee high, it's a wonderful pitch. It's a better pitch than throwing your fastball down the middle. There's no question about it. But the other two things that are going to happen is that you, you, you miss with it trying to hit that spot out there, or you get to a, a spot where you have to throw a strike. And Manaya was a good example of this the other, the other night. Uh, and it happens all the time. You get to a point where you have to throw a strike, but you're afraid the uh, uh, hitter is going to be looking fastball. You don't want to throw a fastball. So you throw a crappy slider in the middle of the plate just because it's a different pitch and uh, it gets tattooed. So I, I know that you have to throw secondary pitches. I'm a big proponent of it. you're going to win only if and only when you get your uh, secondary pitches uh, over for strikes in quality, in quality spots. But I'm just telling you that this fear of throwing fastballs, especially when you throw 101, I mean, uh, if you throw 95 or above, I, I just wish they would get over the fear of throwing fastballs and, and, and recognize that if you throw 10 fastballs, seven of them are going to be pretty good and three of them are going to get tattooed. If you throw 10 sliders, three of them are going to be good and seven of them are going to get tattooed. And I've just seen it too much. So I'll shut up now. No, you know, it's absolutely wow. right. And that was why it was so hard to watch. It's like, it's one thing it, you're going to get beat sometimes, right? You're going to get beat. You're facing big league hitters. Don't give in. Don't walk the bases loaded where a bloop can score two runs on you. Yeah. And don't be, and, and quit be, quit worrying about, oh my gosh, they might hit a fastball. So what? Right. Yeah. They, they're going to, they might hit anything, you know, attack, 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 attack. That's what all the good ones have done. Hey, good stuff, gentlemen. Appreciate it. We'll talk again next week. I think it's going to be a, a blast of a season. It's a fun team to be around. Thanks to everyone who listens to TalkNorth.com, and we will talk to you next week.